this bulletin, a two-day global summit on AI safety wraps up. This year's Sydney Peace Prize winner shares her passion with school children. And in sport, the Matildas are a step closer to their goal of booking a sport in the Paris 2024 Olympic Games. Australia is among 28 nations, including China, who have signed a document pledging more cooperation on the research and use of artificial intelligence to ensure it develops in a way that is human-centric, trustworthy and responsible. Called the Bleacher Declaration, the document was signed at a two-day summit hosted by the United Kingdom at Bleachley Park, home of Britain's World War II codebreakers. Australia's Minister for Industry and Science, Ed Husich, said signing the pledge shows Australia's commitment to work with the international community to ensure artificial intelligence is developed with the right guardrails in place. UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak says in many ways the statement is a world first and it is the first step of what he hopes will be a robust process with future summits to be hosted by South Korea and France. Until now, the only people testing the safety of new AI models have been the very companies developing it. That must change. So building on the G7 Hiroshima process and the global partnership on AI, like-minded governments and AI companies have today reached a landmark agreement. We will work together on testing the safety of new AI models before they are released. Also at the summit was tech billionaire Elon Musk, who co-founded the ChatGPT developer OpenAI. During a 40-minute conversation with Mr. Sunak, he said he sees a time when artificial intelligence will render all jobs obsolete, and he called AI the most disruptive force in history. Elon Musk says efforts must be directed to guiding the use of AI in, way, in a way that is beneficial to humanity. We start with insight. I think there's a lot of concern among people in the uh, AI field that, there will, that, that the government will sort of jump the gun on um, rules before knowing what to do. Um, and I think, um, I think that's unlikely to happen. I think what, what we're really aiming for here is to establish a framework for insight so that there's at least a third-party referee, an independent referee, that can observe what leading AI companies are doing and at least uh, sound the alarm if they, if they have concerns. Australians who have evacuated Gaza say they are grateful to have left but fear for family members who remain. About 20 Australians were among the first group of 400 foreign passport holders who exited Gaza into Egypt using the Rafah border crossing. Qatar brokered a deal between Egypt, Hamas and Israel to allow foreign national civilians to leave Gaza after being trapped there for three weeks during the conflict. Mona says her concern is for family members who remain in Gaza. But I'm, I'm very sad as well at the same, same time because I'm leaving my family behind um, with no food, no water, in, in very, very scary situation. And they're not even in their houses. They, they move. They, they move from house to another like... I can't describe the situation there. It's just like very, very sad. Russia has accused Ukraine of risking a nuclear disaster after Ukrainian drones were shot down near the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant.
The power station is Europe's largest atomic power plant and has been under Russian control since early March 2022. The Russian operator of the plant says four of the reactors are shut down, while two of the reactors are in so-called hot shutdown mode. In recent weeks, Ukrainian officials have condemned deadly Russian missile attacks in the city of Zaporizhia. The International Atomic Energy Agency has repeatedly said the world is fortunate that no nuclear accident has yet happened at the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant, considering nuclear safety is extremely fragile. Meanwhile, the United States has imposed sweeping new measures against Russia over the war, targeting Russia's future energy capabilities and sanctions evasion. Victoria Police have charged 49-year-old Erin Patterson with three counts of murder and five counts of attempted murder over an alleged mushroom poisoning in July. Ms. Patterson was arrested at her home in South Gippsland in in Victoria's southeast as part of an investigation into the suspected poisoning with police searching the property. She has now been charged with murdering couple Gail and Don Patterson and her sister Heather Wilkinson after serving them a beef wellington pie for lunch in her home. Heather's husband Ian Wilkinson is still recovering after spending almost two months in hospital receiving treatment after the lunch. Detective Inspector Dean Thomas from the Homicide Squad has reminded people to take care when discussing the tragic incident. I think it's particularly important that we keep in mind that at the heart of this, three people have lost their lives. These are three people who, by all accounts, were much beloved in their communities and are greatly missed by their loved ones. A new report on the health of refugees in Australia shows the communities are less likely to self-report cancer and mental health conditions. The new report from the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare finds that health conditions and the use of health services appear to differ for the vulnerable communities in comparison to the rest of the Australian population. Using census data, they found refugees and humanitarian entrants were 60% less likely to report asthma and cancer when compared to the rest of the Australian population, as well as 50% less likely to report chronic lung conditions and mental health issues. The Institute's Vanessa Souza says there may be cultural considerations for the underreporting, particularly relating to mental health. We do know that there might be some self-report limitations when it comes to mental health conditions. So we do know that there might be a, le- a reluctance or a stigma attached with talking about mental health conditions and that maybe accessing services might be difficult. So we do hope that it shines a light in some ways and some of the areas that could be improved on. In contrast, the communities were more likely to self-report diabetes, kidney disease, stroke and dementia. Iranian actress and activist Nazanin Boniadi has been awarded Australia's most prestigious peace prize, the Sydney Peace Prize, for her commitment to advancing women's rights in Iran. Ms. Boniadi is known for her appearances on screen, including the comedy TV series How I Met Your Mother and the action thriller film Hotel Mumbai. She has been encouraging the younger generation to raise their voices about global human rights issues and work towards a more peaceful and just world. Ms. Boniadi also addressed Cabramara High School in Sydney yesterday, which is one of the most diverse schools in Australia, with many students from families that have fled conflict in their homelands. 
She told SBS News she was inspired by the passion of the school children. Uh, the, the famous quote, darkness doesn't drive out darkness, only light can do that. And it, uh, hate doesn't drive out hate, only light, uh, love can do that. And these, these children, essentially, these young people, this generation personifies that. And I'm just so honoured to be in their presence. They not only are the future, they are today's leaders. The Beatles have released what they are calling their final song. Named Now and Then, it's been 40 years in the making with the first bars written by John Lennon in 1978. The track features the late John Lennon's voice, which has been isolated from the original cassette using artificial intelligence technology. Patrick Hutchins is the head of artificial intelligence at generative music platform AIME. He says the song is an example of the exciting ways people are making use of existing AI technology. I think it's quite exciting. I think it's very interesting. The, the way that they've, they've done it is respectful and interesting. This has been happening for a while. Um, especially the, the kind of ways that they've been using AI, uh, which is for restoration of recordings. Uh, this has been built into music software for, for a number of years now. I think the big thing is that this isn't kind of a big revolutionary step. It's, it's really an evolution of stuff that's been going on for the Beatles and, and music in general. And in football, goals by Mary Fowler, Sam Carr and Tameka Yalop have resulted in a 3-0 win for the Matildas over Taiwan in front of 19,000 fans in Perth. To qualify for the 2024 Paris Olympic Games, Australia must now beat world number 50 Uzbekistan in a two-legged playoff in February. Uzbekistan will host the first game on February 24, with Australia to host Game 2 at a yet-to-be-decided venue on February 28. The performance of Fowler continues to impress with the 20-year-old scoring her second goal across the three qualifiers and also setting up numerous others for her teammates. She says it is incredible to see the team excel across the three games. You know, I think that first camp after a big tournament can go, you know, either way. Um, either everyone's really tired and performances kind of drop off a bit, um, or you know, you're able to build off that momentum. And I think you can see in, in this camp in three games, you're able to build off that. And everyone was just as motivated as we were in that first game of the World Cup. So it's been a really good camp, I think, for everyone. Um, and it's great to get three good results. And that is NITV Radio's weekly news wrap.